It's Todd coming to you from the uh, Sports and Spirituality land, well, Library here in the uh, my apartment. Um, let me put a little bit of power and love into this. And uh, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read this. There's a solution, chapter two, on the out of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, fourth edition. And to say too is I'm also doing the first three stories in the first three editions too, which I will be. Uh, I just did the introduction to it. Um, copyright copyright will be 2001 for the fourth edition. And this is a uh, this is a chapter that I wanted to, I wanted to do for a long time now, and uh, you know I'm thinking about. I just want people that can be coming to. Uh, if you come into Alcoholics Anonymous, come in here looking for some research, well then here it is, you know, I mean, not everybody comes in knowing that, hey, I'm an alcoholic, because it's not true, because, you know, it, if you're going, if you're going in for a job, you want to have a couple days to at least see if you like it, or, you know, if you better, better thing is, you know, if you go, you know, if you think you like a car, the best thing to do is take it out for a test drive. And see if it uh, if it fits you. The same thing with a uh, same thing with a pair of pants or uh, or a pair of shoes. Um. So, anyways, it starts off. We of Alcoholics Anonymous know thousands of men and women who were once just as hopeless as Bill. Nearly all have recovered. They have solved the drink problem. We are average Americans, all sections of this country, and many of its occupations are represented, as well as many political, economic, social, and religious backgrounds. We are people who normally would not mix. But there exists among us a a fellowship, a friendliness, and an understanding, which is indescribably wonderful. We were like passengers on a great on a great liner. The moment after rescue from the shipwreck, when can, when camaraderie, joyousness, democracy pervade the vessel from steerage to captain's table. Unlike the feelings of the ship passengers, however, our joy in escape from disaster does not subside as we go our individual ways. The feeling of having shared in a com- common peril is one element and powerful cement which binds us, but that in itself would never have held us together as we are now joined. The tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have discovered a common solution. We have a way out on which we can absolutely agree and upon which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. This is the great news this book carries to those who suffer from alcoholism. All illnesses of this sort, and we have come to believe it an illness, involves those about in a way no other human sickness can. If a person has cancer, all are sorry for him. And no one is angry or hurt, but not so the alcoholic illness. For with it there goes annihilation 
of all the things worthwhile in life. In it goes all whose lives, who lives touch the sufferers. It brings misunderstanding, fierce resentment, financial insecurity, disgusted friends and employers, warped lives of blameless children, and wives and parents. Anyone can increase the list. We hope that we hope this volume will inform and comfort those who are or who may be affected. There are many of us who found it sometimes oops, I'm gonna stop here. We hope this volume will inform and comfort those who you are affected. There are many highly competent physicians who have dealt with us have found it sometimes impossible to persuade an alcoholic to discuss this situation with reserve, without reserve. Strangely enough, wives, parents, and intimate friends usually find us even more unapproachable than do a psychiatrist and the doctor. But the ex-problem drinker who has found this solution who is properly armed with facts but himself can generally win the entire confidence of another alcoholic in a few hours until such an understanding is reached. Little or nothing can be accomplished. That the man who is making the approach has had the same difficulty, that he obviously knows what he is talking about, that his whole deportment Cold Department shouts at the new prospect that he is a man with a real answer, that he has no attitude holier than thou. Nothing whatever except the sincere desire to be helpful, that there are no fees to pay, no actions to grind, no people to pray, to please, no lectures to be endured. These are the conditions we have found more effective. After such an approach, many take up their beds and walk again. None of us makes a sole vocation of this work, nor do we think its effectiveness would be increased if we did. We feel that our elimination of our drinking is but a beginning. A much more important demonstration of our principles lies before us in our respective homes, occupations, and affairs. All of us spend much of our spare time in sort of a effort to, which we are going to describe. If you are fortunate enough to be so situated, that they can give nearly all their time to the work. If we keep things on the way we are going, there is little doubt that much good will result but the surface of the problem would hardly be scratched. Those of us who live in large cities are overcome by the uh, reflection that close by hundreds are dropping into oblivion every day. Many could recover if they had the opportunity we have enjoyed. How then shall we present that we have been so freely given us? We've concluded to publish an anonymous volume, sending forth the problems we, as we see it. 
We shall bring to the task our combined experience and knowledge. This should suggest a useful program for anyone concerned with a drinking problem. Of necessity, there will have to be discussions of matters medical, psychiatric, social, and religious. We are aware that these matters are, from their very nature, controversial. Nothing would please us so much as to write a book which would contain no basis for contention or argument. We shall do our utmost to achieve that ideal. Most of us sense that real tolerance of other people's shortcomings and viewpoints and respect for their opinions are attitudes which makes us more useful to others. Our very lives as ex-problem drinkers depend our constant thought of others and how we may help meet their needs. You may already have asked yourself why is it that all of us become so very ill from drinking? Doubtless, you are curious to discover why and why. Curious to discover how and why. In the face of expert opinion to the contrary, we have recovered from a hopeless condition of mind and body. If you're an alcoholic who wants to get over it, you may already be asking, what do I have to do? Is it is the purpose of this book to answer such questions specifically. We shall tell you what we have done before going into a detailed discussion. It may be well to summarize some points as we see them. How many times people have said to us, I can take it or leave it alone. Why can't he? Why don't you drink like a gentleman or quit? That fellow can't hold his liquor. Why don't you try beer and wine? Lay off the hard stuff. His willpower must be weak. He could stop if he wanted to. She's such a sweet girl. I should think he'd stop for her sake. The doctor told him that if he ever drank again, it would kill him. There he is. I'll lit up again. Now, those are commonplace observations on drinkers, which we hear all the time. Back of them is a world of ignorance and misunderstanding. We see that these expressions refer to people whose reactions are very different from ours. Moderate drinkers have little trouble in giving up liquor entirely if they have a good reason for it. They can take it or leave it alone. Then we have a certain type of a hard drinker. He may have the habit badly enough to gradually impair him physically and mentally. It may cause him to die a few years before his time. If a sufficiently strong reason, all health Falling in love, ill health, sorry, falling in love, change of environment, or warning of a doctor becomes operative. This man can also stop or moderate, although he may find it difficult and troublesome 
may even need medical attention. But what about the real alcoholic? He may start off as a moderate drinker. He may or may not become a continuous hard drinker. But at some stage of his drinking career, he begins to lose all control of his major liquor consumption once he starts to drink. I think you hear a lot of me and say, I'm a real alcoholic. Well, I like that because you know what? Here's the uh, here's how it's described. You know, and uh, so anyways, that's that's one thing I like that paragraph. I love the whole chapter, but I mean it's just a little paragraph made a lot of sense to me there. Here's the fellow who can be puzzling you, especially in the lack of control. He does absurd, incredible, tragic things while drinking. He is a real Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. He is seldom mildly intoxicated. He was always more or less insanely drunk. Disposition while drinking resembles his normal nature, but little. He may be one of the finest fellows in the world. You let him drink for a day and he frequently becomes disgustingly and even dangerously antisocial. He has a positive genius for getting tight at exactly the wrong moment, particularly when some important decision must be made or engagement kept. He is often perfectly sensible and well-balanced concerning everything except liquor. But in every respect, he is incredibly dishonest and selfish. He often possesses special abilities, skills, and aptitudes, which has a promising career ahead of him. He uses his gift to build up a bright outlook for his family and himself. Then pulls the structure down on his head by a senseless series of sprees. He is, the fellow, he is the fellow who goes to bed so intoxicated he ought to sleep the clock around. Yet early next morning, he, he searches madly for the bottle he misplaced the night before. If he can afford it, he may have liquor concealed all over his house. To be certain, no one gets his entire supply away from him. To throw it down the waste pipe. As matters grow worse, he begins to use a combination of high power sedative and liquor to coin, quiet his nerves, so he can go to work. Then comes the day when he simply cannot make it and gets drunk all over again. Perhaps he goes to a doctor who gives him morphine or some sedative, which to taper off. Then he begins to appear at hospitals and sanitariums. This is by no means a comprehensive picture of the true alcoholic, as our behavior patterns vary, but this description should identify him roughly. Why does he behave like this? If hundreds of if hundreds of experiences have shown him that one drink means another debacle, 
with all his attendant suffering and humiliation, why is he take it? Why is it he takes that one drink? Why can't he stay on the water wagon? What has he become of this common sense and willpower that he still sometimes displays with respect to other manners? Perhaps there never will be a full answer to these questions. Opinions vary considerably as to why the alcoholic rich reacts differently from normal people. We're not sure why once a certain point is reached, little can be done for him. We cannot answer the riddle. We know that while the alcoholic keeps away from the drink, as he may, as he may do for months or years, he reacts much like other men. We're equally positive that once he takes any alcohol whatsoever whatever into his system, something happens, both in a bodily and mental sense, which makes it virtually impossible for him to stop. The experience of any alcoholic will abundantly confirm this. These observations would be academic and pointless if our friend never took the first drink, thereby setting the terrible cycle in motion. Therefore, the main problem of the alcoholic centers in his mind rather than in his body. If you ask him why he started on that last bender, the chances are he will offer you any kind of 100 alibis. Sometimes these excuses have certain plausibility, but none of them really make sense in light of the how havoc an alcoholic's drinking bout creates. They sound like the philosophy of the man who having a headache beats himself on the head with a hammer so that he can feel the, feel the he can't feel the ache. If you draw the fallacious reasoning to the attention of an alcoholic, he will laugh it off or become irritated and refuse to talk. Once in a while, he may tell the truth. And the truth, strange to say, is usually that he has no more idea why he took that first drink than you have. Some drinkers have excuses with which they are satisfied part of the time. But in their hearts, they really do not know why they do it. Once the malady has a real, real hold, they're baffled a lot. They're a baffled lot. There is the obsession that somehow, someday, they will beat the game. But they often suspect they're down for the count. How true this is. Few realize in a vague way, there are families and friends sense that these drinkers are abnormal, but everybody hopefully waits the day when the sufferer will rouse himself in from his lethargy and assert his power of will. The tragic truth is that if the man be a real alcoholic, the happy day may not arrive. He is lost. 
drinks lost control. At a certain point in drinking of every alcoholic, he passes into a state where the next powerful desire to stop drinking is of absolutely no avail. This tragic situation has already arrived in practically every case long before it is suspected. The fact is that most alcoholics, for reasons yet obscure, have lost the power of choice in drink, or so-called willpower becomes practically non-existent. We are unable at certain times to bring into our consciousness with sufficient force the memory of the suffering and humiliation of even a week or a month ago. We are without defense against the first drink. The almost certain consequences that fall taking even a glass of beer do not crowd into the mind to deter us. If these thoughts occur, they are hazy and readily supplanted with the old threadbare idea that this time we shall handle ourselves like other people. There is a complete failure of the kind of defense that keeps one from putting his hand on the hot stove. The alcoholic may say, the alcoholic may say to himself in the most casual way, it won't burn me this time, so here's how. Or perhaps he doesn't think at all. How often have some of us began drinking in a nonchalant way? After the third or fourth, pounded on the bar, said to ourselves, for God's sake, how did I ever get started again? Only to have that, that thought supplanted by, well, I'll stop with a sixth drink, or what's the use anyhow? When this sort of thinking is fully established in an individual with alcoholic tendencies, he has probably placed himself beyond human aid and unless locked up, may die or go permanently insane. These stark and ugly facts have confirmed by legions of alcoholics throughout the history. But for the grace of God, there would have been thousands more convincing, de- more convincing demonstrations so many want to stop but cannot. There is a solution. Almost none of us like the self-searching leveling of our pride, the confession of shortcomings, which the process requires for its successful consummation. But we saw that it really worked in others. And we had come to believe in the hopeless futility of life as we had been living it. When therefore we were, we were approached by those in whom the problem had been solved, there was nothing left for us but to pick up the simple kit of spiritual tools laid at our feet. We have found much of heaven and we have been rocking into the fourth dimension of existence of which we had not even dreamed. 
great fact is just this, nothing less. And we have had deep and effective spiritual experiences, which revolutionized our whole attitude toward life, towards our fellows, towards God's universe. The central fact of our lives here today is the absolute certainty that our Creator has entered into our hearts and lives in a way in which is miraculous. He has commenced to accomplish those things for us which we could never do by ourselves. If you are as seriously alcoholic as as we were, we believe there is no middle of the road solution. We were in a position where lives would was be, where life was becoming impossible. And if we had passed into the region from which there is no return through home and human aid, we have a two alternatives. One was to go on a bitter and blotting out the consciousness of our intolerable situation as best as we could. And the other, to accept spiritual help. This we did because we honestly wanted to and were willingly and were willing to make the effort. A certain American businessman had ability, good sense and high character. For years he had foundered from one sanitarium to another. He had consulted the best known American psychiatrist. Then he had gone to Europe, placing himself in the care of a celebrated physician, this psychiatrist, Dr. Young, Dr. Young, who prescribed for him Though experience had made him skeptical, he finished his retreatment with unusual confidence. His physical and mental condition were unusually good. Above all, he believed he had acquired such a profound knowledge for the inner, inner workings of his mind and it hit its hidden springs. That relapse was unthinkable. Nevertheless, he was drunk in a short time. More baffling still, he could give himself no satisfactory explanation for his fall. So he returned to this doctor whom he admired and asked him point blank why he could not recover. His wishes above all things to regain self-control. He seemed quite rational and well balanced with regard with respect with respect to other problems. Yet he had control, he had no control whatsoever over alcohol. Why say this? Or why was this? He begged the doctors to tell him the whole truth. And he got it. In the doctor's judgment, he was utterly hopeless. 
He could never regain his position in society and he would have to place himself under lock and key to hire a bodyguard if he expected to be to live long. That was a great physician's opinion. This man still lives. He's a face and is a free man. He does not need a bodyguard, nor is he confined. He could go anywhere on this earth where other free men may go without disaster, provided he remains willing to maintain a certain simple attitude. All right, I'm going to stop there. It's on page 27 at the top of the page. And, uh... It's got a couple more pages left here. What I'm thinking is that I'll read the beginning... I'm sorry, I'll start... I'll end the, uh... And there is a solution, and I'll pick it up to it at the end. I'll move on to, uh, to more about alcoholism. Um, what I think is that sometimes we are so self-centered that We have a feeling of, uh, we have a feeling that we are the most important people on the earth. And no one is is like us, we are like nobody. So, that's why it's just good to keep reading this stuff over and over again. Anyways, if nobody else has told you that they love you today, I do with the power of love. Thanks.